planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast, part of the Fantrax family. My name is Mung, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Hey Addicts, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's at FFA underscore Los. The Los. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We are, week seven is upon us. I can't believe it. We've only got 10 more after this of the, uh, well, no, that's not true. We've got 18 weeks, I guess, but 17 games. Why does the season always seem to go quicker and quicker? I think it's because I'm getting old, man. Yeah, it's almost spooky season, or I guess it is already spooky season with Halloween just a couple Ooh. weeks away. And, uh, we do apologize. Tonight we are recording without our super producer, Dan, who has some personal things to take care of. So our information will be good as always, but the sound quality may be uh, not quite so much due to all that Dan does week in and week out. He is the super producer. He keeps us looking fine, looking crisp, sounding sharp. So, yeah, you got to deal with uh, the real me for now. Indeed. The no the no Photoshop, the no sound mixing, the no... Uh, what is it? Uh, auto tune? Is that what they call? Yeah. So auto, yeah, I speak through yeah. an auto tune. That's that's just the, that's the filter he puts on me. But hey, like it or not, we're still going to find a way to thrive tonight. Right. Indeed. And right now, the Buffalo Bills are thriving a little bit up three, three to nothing on Tennessee. Uh, but we want to talk to you guys about Thrive Fantasy because Thrive offers DFS style contests on player props. It's super easy. You just pick 10 out of 20 player props for the week, with each one getting assigned a fantasy point value for the over and under based on how likely the outcome is. The more you get right, the bigger the payout. And Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 in weekly prizes, including their Sunday contest where first place wins 20 grand. Sign up now with our promo code FFA and you'll receive an instant 100% deposit match of up to $100 for your first deposit, minimum $10. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E fantasy.com. Plenty of teams uh, did a lot of thriving this week, a lot of blowout games, a lot of garbage time football, which unfortunately does throw off the analysis a little bit. But we'll touch on uh, each of the games and uh, how to how to how to look at those numbers and what to think about them going forward. Uh, But without further ado, that'll take us into uh, the week seven breakdowns and previews Thursday night football. uh, The short week teams, Denver, Denver at Cleveland. Uh, So Denver gets that short turnaround to prepare for the Cleveland defense to me. Um, I actually think this team is pretty matchup neutral. Sutton's a wide receiver, too, with plenty of targets and upside every week. Tim Patrick is a solid flex. I I love him. And both running backs are flex plays. Uh, It's actually impressive how close to 50-50 they are keeping this workload between the two running backs. Yet another week, we had 11 carries and three targets for Williams, 10 carries and three targets for Melvin Gordon. Uh, Fant had plenty of targets, but he remains a back-end 20, uh, back-end tight end one. He can disappear any week at a time, but... We know the wasteland the tight end can be. 
Sure. And the thing to keep in mind here, too, is that Jerry Judy uh, has been uh, on IR, but it sounds like he's going to be back uh, either this week or next, more than likely next week. So right. um, if you do have Tim Patrick, now might be the time to consider looking for other options in a couple weeks, because I don't think that his production is going to be quite as consistent uh, once Judy returns. But certainly Fanton Sutton, you're not too worried about here. And uh, yeah, as you said, it's really these two running backs vulturing each other's fantasy production. Hard to trust either one right now, especially with the Denver offense just not looking great in general after a hot start against some weak opponents. Yeah. And on the other side of the football, uh, Cleveland also gets that short week, which is going to be even more problematic for them, I think. Uh, Hopefully, well, no, even more problematic for us rather than them. They know what's going on. Hopefully we get some clarity on all these injuries soon. Hopefully Chubb is healthy with with Hunt definitely out. Um, I've seen conflicting reports on what their plan is with him. But if neither can go, I think Dearness Johnson does have significant value here. Um, we're probably going to talk about him a little later in the wa- in the waiver column. Uh, the big producer in the past game this week was Donovan Peoples-Jones, two touchdowns, but he sees far too few targets for any reliability here. If at some point we hear, you know, this probably not this week, but anytime in the future, Beckham will miss any time. Peoples-Jones might have some very, very risky but possible flex, you know, appeal. Yeah, he's going to be really boom or bust. He's one of those big play type of guys uh you know certainly i drafted him in plenty of best ball drafts uh, preseason but uh it's gonna be tough to predict which weeks exactly he actually scores those touchdowns and certainly uh it's not gonna be two per week right right certainly Um, not the other thing to keep in mind too is that jarvis landry does sound like he'll be back uh, potentially this thursday i I do believe that's the plan so that's going to eat into the targets as well And really the problem right now for the Browns is health. I mean, everyone's banged up. Nick Chubb, it sounds like he has a chance to play on Thursday night, but certainly not certain. Um, Kareem Hunt, it sounds like he's going to be out for four to six weeks. So if you do have Chubb uh, after a little bit of panic this past week, uh, maybe the silver lining is hopefully now he's going to get a larger share of the backfield touches if he is ready for Thursday. And if not, hopefully he'll be back in 10 days' time. Uh, after this coming week but really at this passing offense is just not producing and it's hard to blame Baker Mayfield when you have a a dislocated shoulder that you've now hurt (laughs) twice uh, in the span of weeks so it's hard to blame him but at the same time there's just not much consistent fantasy value from this offense really it's going to be Chubb if he can go on Thursday night uh, and then I think maybe Dernis Johnson and Dem- Demetric Felton. I, I don't really know yeah. how to say his name. I, I think it's Demetric Felton yeah, um, that is, right. in that in the pass catching role. Uh, personally, I I would lean Johnson over Felton. Uh, he's likely to see more early down work, and it seems like he's still someone involved as a pass catcher as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally agree. Um, Just with a a slight word of caution, I think it was last year where we did run into the situation where um, where Dearness Johnson was given, you know, the heavy the heavy workload um, and the chance to I I don't I don't remember what the exact situation was, but but he was the guy for one of the weeks. He did not produce super well, but, you know, Denver Denver may provide some opportunities. Yeah, they're a tough uh, run defense to crack, too. So this could be an ugly low scoring game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Despite all that, probably sounds like I'm going uh, Denver here, but I actually think Cleveland's defense, um, you know, uh, goes on the strength of their fans and takes out Denver at home. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is really a coin flip where, again, I just yeah. don't think either one of these teams is playing well right now. But uh, to your point, I do think one uh, leaning at home uh, pushes it to the Cleveland side. And two, I just think that Cleveland is better coached overall. It's hard to trust what we've seen from Denver the last few weeks. Totally. That'll take us into our Sunday games this week. We do not have an early morning game. So we're starting at noon, uh, noon central, one Eastern Washington at Green Bay. So this is a pretty poor showing from the Washington offense as Kansas City left the door open much of the game for them. J.D. McKissick got plenty of work with uh, with Antonio Gibson slowed down. And we could certainly see a lot more of that here versus Green Bay. If Gibson is not in for any reason, McKissick becomes a an absolute must start as a, as a running back two, possibly running back one in a, P, in a full PPR league. A pretty down day for Terry McLaurin, who, who was questionable coming into the week. But as we always say, that can happen to wide receivers from time to time. So go ahead and start him here as long as he's healthy and uh, Ricky Sills Jones scored a touchdown I like him as an upside tight end too for as long as Logan Thomas is out yeah McLaurin I, you have to think that the hamstring issue played into uh, the lack of production a little bit it sounds totally. like he was able to play but just not a hundred percent so that factors into it but really it was very disappointing for Taylor Heineke uh, I'm a big Heineke believer I think that he does have the chops to potentially be a starter level quarterback in the NFL, given his athleticism, but just a poor showing from Washington coming out really flat after halftime against a chiefs defense that to this point, hasn't been able to stop pretty much anyone. Uh, no. So uh, very disappointing. I, I know I tweeted out earlier. My first thought when I saw the the score and the, the box score at the end of that game was uh, from uh, revenge of the Sith where, Obi-Wan is like, you were the chosen one. And uh, uh, Heineke was my chosen one for the, the week six streamers. And uh, very, very disappointing. Hopefully he'll bounce back here. Uh, the bigger question, though, is an, an MRI earlier today for Antonio Gibson. It sounds like yeah. his shin issue that he's been dealing with all year is a stress fracture. And uh, he's been playing through it, which just can't be good, right? <laughs> No, uh, it's it's not really going to get itself better without rest. So uh, that that's trouble. Uh, you cannot drop McKissick in any league right now. Yeah, and for, at the same time, I think Jared Patterson is worth a look yeah. on waivers as well. Um, I do think that he would also get quite a bit of work if Gibson were to miss time. And I think that's a real possibility right now because if Buffalo's smart, or excuse me, not Buffalo. I'm watching the Buffalo game right now. Uh, if Washington is smart, you know they'll let Gibson get to 100% because we saw down the down the uh, down the line last year he really struggled when he had that toe injury and they tried to have him play through it and that just ended up making it worse. So uh, we'll see what they end up doing with Gibson, but certainly something to monitor over the next few days. Well, the side of the football has the Packers. They they remain an easy enough team to call. Start Rodgers, Jones, and Adams. For me, you drop the other wide receivers, you drop Tunyon, and you hang on to A.J. Dillon on your bench as a top handcuff option if you've got the room for him. Yeah, I think you uh, you covered that pretty well. I don't know that there's much else to say with the Packers right now. They're one of those, uh, uh, I guess you could call it a silo type of offense where it really runs through a couple players. Yeah, makes it nice and easy, though. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers. I don't think Washington's defense has a prayer here. 
Yeah, and you know we'll talk about the Packers defense too on our streaming section mm. in the waivers because they've been surprisingly resilient. The front seven is getting it done despite a lot of injuries uh, in the secondary. So I'll take Green Bay also. There we go. Kansas City at Tennessee. Great matchup for Kansas City with the Tennessee defense. Of course, not much news here. A lot like Green Bay. Start whoever's healthy. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Darren Williams looking fine. Yeah, um, worth noting that both Hill and Kelsey are a little bit banged up right now. Um, Hill did have a nice day against Washington, but if you watch that game, he did not look 100% at all. Um, really struggled a little bit. So hopefully he's going to get at least a limited practice on Friday. Just watch for that. Uh, of course, you're not benching him as no. long as he's active, but uh, just something to monitor here. And Daryl Williams, man, just uh, with CEH out, he's become the clear lead back. Uh, he's still out there in some leagues. We'll, we'll mention him. But other than that, uh, Kansas City, their offense has been excellent. I, I don't know about the defense here. I, I like the Titans quite a bit uh, this week. Well, we have seen Tennessee, you know, I, I give them a lot of trouble in the past. That's for sure. Um, beating them a few times. I just, I just wanted to touch on... In case Hill is, is you know, it's improbable, but if, if he is declared inactive, I think the only guy you can remotely consider touching is, is Hardman. Yeah, I mean, Hardman would be the best option, but even then, yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of the Marcus Robinson, totally. Byron Pringle, and all those guys. And totally. I, I mean, probably Josh Gordon, but you're not, you're not going to rely on him. And again, you do not need to add him outside of very deep formats. Absolutely not. The the only uh, reason I even bring it up is this is, you know, the mega six team week by. So you, you may find yourself in a bind. Yeah. And week seven as well. That's a big, big week. Yeah. Um, yep. Or excuse me, week eight, week eight also. Eight. Yep. Seven, eight, right. nine, really. These next three weeks, uh, you know, find find a way to get it done because everyone's going to be struggling. The dog days of fall. All right. On the Tennessee side, hopefully all of Tennessee can be healthy, uh, last healthily through this tonight's game and then be ready for next week's game because it should be a pretty exciting matchup. And then if they're ready to go, I, I of course, play Henry, Julio and A.J. Brown and and certainly Ryan Tannehill. I expect a ton of offensive output here. Yeah, this has been a very low scoring start to the Bills, Tennessee Titans. Monday night game, but again, the Bills defense is, you know, just a, a completely different tier from Kansas City. Oh, completely. And I, the Bills defense, I think, is the number one defense right now, isn't it? I, sh I certainly think so. Yeah. Um, it's a tough pick here. I know Kansas City is the favorites, but um, that's just because of Mahomes and they being Kansas City. I think I'm going to lean with them here, but I wouldn't. Don't color me shocked if Tennessee takes. I wouldn't really consider it an upset right now. I'm I'm actually surprised to see that right now they're still laying like five points or something, which I th I think is way too much. Yeah, I think it's mostly just the Mahomes factor, right? Yeah. Um, yeah but totally. really, both of these defenses are looking pretty rough. And at home, I I think we see a lot of Derrick Henry, and I just don't know that the Chiefs have an answer for that. And I'm going to take Tennessee here. Should be a good game. I'm rooting for uh, for health for the whole teams because I've seen Mahomes run for his life. I, the NFL is a better game when he's on his feet and he's healthy. Yeah, for sure. 
Atlanta at Miami, not quite as an exciting of a game as the last one. Uh, the Miami defense has been terrible. Should be a good week for Ridley and Cordero Patterson here. I think Pitts is a back-end tight end one. He scored with Ridley out. Hopefully he can string two weeks together like that. And I think Mike Davis is even a flex consideration, though with limited upside. You know, just, just again, week thir- uh, you know, 13, te- 13 games only, six teams on a bye. Yeah, really, this game, I think, uh, has a lot of streaming options in here. Uh, This is a game that I would target this week because I do think that neither defense is very good right now. We know that Miami is hurting in the secondary, missing um, Xavier Howard and also Byron Jones. So we'll see if either one of those guys can come out and play this coming week. Uh, Monitor that practice reports in terms of uh, Calvin Ridley, of course. Um, It sounds like it was a, quote, personal issue before mm-hmm. their bye and that he is back at practice. So no worries as of right now. Uh, but yeah, really, I mean, you're starting Pitts and you're starting Ridley, Patterson and Davis, as you said. And then we'll talk about Matt Ryan uh, on our waiver section. On the Miami side, it was good to see Tua back. He was looking sharp in his return, though keep in mind it was the Jacksonville defense. That said, this is the Atlanta defense, so it's probably not going to uh, change the outcomes all too much. He gets a fine matchup here. He's got a very good connection on short routes with uh, with Jalen Waddle, who I don't think anybody uh, coming into draft season was expecting Waddle to have uh, so, so f- to t- basically turn into uh, Jarvis Landry sort of play. I'd certainly play him this week. I think you're probably going to agree there. Uh, Gasicki got plenty of targets into his return. I think he's a fine start at tight end as well. The running back room is a complete mess. If you've got to pick one, absolutely. I guess I'd pick Gasicki because of the pass game work. I expect Miami to allow points. I expect them to have to throw the ball. Um, just keep Gaskin. in mind. Yeah, who did I say? Gasicki? Oh, you said Gasicki again. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, you're playing Gasicki. Yeah, yes. The running but I, backs you want, Gaskin. N- yeah, good catch. Um, just keep in mind that uh, that he only had five of the 17 running back carries this week, six of the nine running back targets, so not much confidence there. It's a mess. Um, some weeks we see Brown in, some weeks we see him completely out, so very hard to say what's actually going to happen. Yeah, and look, it's just you're avoiding Gaskin right now, right? Like if you're forced to yeah. play a Miami running back, he can probably create a big play on a broken uh, defensive play or something like that, but uh, it's hard to trust the workload. We saw that even after a huge week, two weeks ago against Tampa Bay, they went right back to a very much of a committee running back situation. Salvin Ahmed with seven carries yeah. uh, compared to five each for Gaskin and Brown. So, you know, really a desperation RB4 play, uh, which is yeah. not what you wanted from Gaskin when you drafted him. Certainly um, not. Yeah, and the one other thing, too, because this is a secondary to target, um, if Devontae Parker can return from that hamstring injury that's kept him out for a couple weeks now, uh, he would be a guy to potentially add off the waivers, too, if you need help at wide receiver. I'm going to take Atlanta here. Uh, I expect Pitts to take a a mini step forward and Ridley to come back with it with a fury. Uh, I think those two are going to have solid weeks here and, and lead the team. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, Again, both teams struggling on defense. Uh, I'm leaning Miami here because uh, just they're at home. And then at the same time, if they can get one of their cornerbacks back healthy, I think that could be enough to swing the pendulum just a little bit. 
Certainly could. New York Jets at New England Patriots. You certainly don't like the matchup versus New England. And we saw Belichick eliminate Corey Davis earlier this season. That could certainly leave the door open for uh, for Jamison Crowder as in a full PPR if you're feeling lucky. Uh, Michael Carter's been seeing the most running back work, but I would not play him just yet if I could avoid it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's Davis, Crowder, and I do think Carter is an okay back-end flex. Uh, he was getting more and more work prior to their bye week, uh, including some yeah. passing down work as well. And if the Jets fall behind again, like they did a few weeks ago, uh, certainly I think Carter would be the most involved. So I do like Carter here. Um, he's going to be on the waiver section. And, you know, I, I would start Carter over Gaskin this week. Yeah, I <sighs> I was just going to say that. I was going to say I would certainly start him over uh, over Gaskin. Oh, we got uh, the mind meld going on. We've been doing this for go. too long. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. All right. On the New England side, Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers are really my only considerations here. Unless you've been uh, relying on Hunter Henry. He's got three touchdowns in the past three weeks in a row. So uh, for all you millennials, he's, uh, oh gosh, NBA Jam. What's the word? He's on fire? Yeah, he's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only two targets this game, despite all that. So it's it's extraordinarily risky. But, you know, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record. We've got six teams on a bye. You may not have a better option. Yeah, look, that that's exactly why we're going to talk about Hunter Henry on the waiver horror section, right? Six tight there ends on bye. Uh, tight end was pretty brutal to begin with. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, he's he's getting the looks in the red zone seemingly over Johnny Smith. So. For what it's worth, uh, Henry is a desperation option at tight end. Uh, I'm going to take New England. Shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, and, you know, the Patriots have had chances to win close games against some pretty good teams, and they've just fell flat. So I I do think that this is a week that Belichick kind of whips them back into shape, uh, you know, at home, at Gillette against the Jets. Uh, Although I do think this is going to be a closer game than the first time these two teams matched up. Well, I'll always root for better games, that's for sure. Carolina at the New York Giants. Carolina's missing Christian McCaffrey and will be missing him for at least two more weeks, as we know. Chuba Hubbard is getting essentially all the work with a couple targets sprinkled in, certainly not getting the uh, Mike Davis-type target shares last year. But he's a solid running back to play. DJ Moore's a wide receiver one. This week, six teams on a bye, so that makes Robbie Anderson a plausible flex play given all the buys. He should have around 10 targets, just like he did this week. So if he can turn those into something, then you'll be happy with him. But I sort of feel like I'm telling you to step on a landmine right now. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the last few weeks, he's had a 20-plus percent target share. Uh, Just hasn't been able to do much with him because, frankly, I don't know that it's his fault. Uh, Sam Darnold has regressed a little bit after a very hot start to the season. Uh, I think it's more on Darnold than Robbie Anderson at this point, uh, but certainly their defense has been keeping them in game. So I think this could be a close, uh, lower scoring back and forth game here. Sure. And unfortunately for the Giants, we ran into more ugliness for them. Uh, just three points versus the Rams, but they're uh, uh, whole. Re- Wait, no, they scored a touchdown, didn't they? That didn't get taken back. Why am I thinking they scored three points? Uh, I mean, it was. It, it, it felt, felt like, like it. It. <laughs> it felt like it. Wow. Um, the whole receiving core was hurt coming into that game. And then uh, now, of course, Kadarius Tony was hurt in the game. So in the absence of all the other players, just like we saw for a couple of weeks early in the season, Sterling Shepard had a really nice day, 10 catches. We saw earlier in the season a couple, I think he strung 300 game, uh, 100 yard games together. 
So uh, the number two receiver this week for the Giants was Dante Pettis. I think that tells you just about what you need to know about that offense right now. We need to see, of course, how the week goes in practice, who's healthy, who's not. But if everyone stays as is, I would start Shepard here. I think he'll be okay. Uh, Devontae, or, um, yeah, Devontae Booker is, should have been better this week. But don't be surprised if he's limited both by the Carolina defense and not a complete workhorse. We did see Elijah Penny uh, vulture that touchdown. So not going to be a full, full, you know, every down back like we like from Saquon, but close to it. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's more bad luck, right? Penny just yeah. three carries to Booker's 12, so you're certainly still trusting Booker far more than you are Penny. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And we'll see about Kadarius Toney. Uh, it sounds like the ankle injury isn't too serious, but he was ruled out pretty early in the game, so we'll see. Uh, Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton, both of them could be back, so it's hard to tell uh, as we record on Monday nights, but certainly yeah. Shepard looks like the most reliable option right now. Maybe we should have changed the uh, maybe the title of the podcast should be running bad running backs. I'd start over Miles Gaskin. <laughs> I mean, that's that's going to be a very long show, I think. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Carolina here. The Giants are are in disarray. Yeah, I, I agree with that one, just because both of the offenses are struggling, but the Panthers defense still keeping them in games. And I, I do think that they could steal one on the road here. All right, Cincinnati at Baltimore, as as always, the AFC North showdowns can be uh, can be real, real tough games to call. Mixon is looking great. A lot less work should be taken from him this week from uh, from uh, from Chris Evans and the like. So he's a locked in uh, running back one. Chase is a locked in play. The real questions are Higgins and Boyd. I think they're both upside flexes this week. I, I don't think you can get away with probably benching either of them, really. If if it was between the two, I'd pick Higgins. Yeah, I, I don't think you can trust Boyd right now. I would probably yeah. bench him. Uh, his target share has really dropped since Higgins has come back. Uh, really, it's Jamar Chase. Uh, and then you love to see Joe Mixon getting involved as a receiver. We know what he can do uh, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. So I, I would rank Chase as a wide receiver two, um, Higgins as a back-end wide receiver three. And then, as you said, uh, Evans did get some work down the stretch, but they they led that game from start to finish just Bad call by me. I I thought that Detroit could get it done, Uh, you know, after that tearful, uh, the tearjerker press conference from Dan Campbell. I thought the team would rally around him. I just underestimated how truly awful Jared Goff is. And well, I don't know if you saw the press conference where base. I mean, he didn't rip into him, but uh, he he made it. He made no mistakes be, be known that he was very disappointed in his quarterback. I mean, to be fair, we knew that Goff was not going to be the answer for Detroit, but, uh, you know. Yeah, yep, that's that's for sure. Um, on the Baltimore side of the ball, they certainly made a statement against the Chargers, and the Chargers sort of made a statement, statement against themselves. They, they made the right calls from how their team is coached in terms of the probabilities of winning and everything, and, you know, they, they, were, they were judged harshly for going for it on fourth down. When it doesn't work out, you're going to be judged. When it works out great, you're going to be called a genius. So that just sort of comes with that territory. They were down enough in the game where I think they were making the right the right calls there. Um, the Bengals' defense certainly doesn't give you a ton to worry about. Uh, Lamar Jackson and, and Mark Andrews, who, who's totally on fire lately, um, are starts. Uh, the return of Rashad Bateman did pull targets away from Marquise Brown. I think they both had five 
Brown is a flex for me right now, but he does have plenty of upside, obviously. But I, I just want to see what Bateman grows into in this offense. In preseason, a lot of people were talking about Bateman coming in and essentially turning into uh, the wide receiver one here by season's end. I'm not as bullish on rookie players typically, but I do think he will eat into his production. Uh, speaking of eating into production, we've got that official three-headed monster at running back, Freeman, Murray, and Latavius Bell, or um, sorry, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Ed Lamar Jackson's rushes into the mix. You come up with a backfield that you just can't put into your lineup. I don't think if you've got to pick one, it's, it's Murray definitely, but uh, yeah, certainly don't like the way they're divvying up those carries. Yeah. And maybe not Murray this week. Uh, it sounds like he might have a mild high ankle sprain, Uh-oh. So uh, could be out for a little bit here. Um, we'll talk about Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell on the waiver section, but hopefully you're not going to be relying on these guys. Uh, this coming week. And I, I think you, uh, you're you pretty spot on in terms of Rashad Bateman because we did see that immediately uh, he saw a very large target share tied for the team lead uh, in targets with six apiece alongside Mark Andrews. So I, I think this is kind of like the Javante Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon situation for Denver sure. that we opened the show with, right? Where sure. they're kind of, they're going to kind of vulture each other's value uh, where Lamar is really the centerpiece that spreads this ball around and he's going to be uh, the the true benefactor of Rashad Bateman coming back here. I'm expecting this to be a pretty good game. Um, certainly don't uh, think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very close, but I am going to take Baltimore here. Yeah, Baltimore has been very inconsistent, but they seem to be getting things on track on the offensive side, despite their injuries on defense. The defense is coming along a little bit too. So give me Baltimore at home. That'll take us into our mid-afternoon slate of games, Philadelphia at the Raiders. We did not see much effective use of Kenneth Gainwell in the passing game despite the Tampa Bay matchup. You just can't rely on or touch these running backs. Uh, You're starting Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, and now Dallas Goddard should be a weekly tight end one after the trade away of Zach Hurts. Yeah, not much to add here. You know, Jalen Hurts still overthrowing and underthrowing some receivers, but he has room to grow. And at the same time, his rushing is going to keep him very fantasy relevant. So you're still starting him with no qualms, really. As for the Raiders, I'm not sure what their team identity is trying to be, and I'm not sure they know. Uh, They've lost their head coach. They put together a nice win uh, this past week. They lost to Chicago. Uh, Kenyon Drake was certainly used a lot more this week than any week prior, but Josh Jacobs had a good game regardless. Darren Waller had only five targets. It's really hard to say what to make of this performance with the, with the new new look coaching staff. I mean, it's only one face that's changed, I guess, but it still makes a dent. My guess is for now, Jacobs is a back-end running back too. Ruggs and Edwards are still very risky flex plays. I'd certainly like to see what's going to happen with Kenyon Drake for at least one more week before putting him in any lineups, but it certainly stands to reason that they would want to play their running back that they're paying five and a half million dollars a year, which is which is not cheap for a running back. And they just got him this offseason. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders are just a mess, which just shows you how bad Denver is right now, losing to a, a team yeah. that's reeling from losing their head coach. Although I will say both teams that were without a head coach this week, Arizona <laughs> and Las Vegas, got it done. So maybe uh, maybe teams shouldn't be worrying quite so much and just hire really good coordinators. Uh, maybe that's the answer to all this. Uh, it's not a knows? bad answer. The uh, the NFL is is always a, a big puzzle where no one's ever going to truly figure out. But 
Yeah, I, on the Raiders side, you know, I think Kenyon Drake is worth picking up if you need running back help, just given the dearth of startable running backs right now. There's just not yeah. much out there. Um, and then in terms of the wide receivers, I, I still think Hunter Renfro is the most reliable guy week to week. Certainly saw a season low, uh, you know, five targets this past week, but he's still the go-to guy, especially when cars under pressure and especially in games where uh, the Raiders surprisingly led uh, the entire way. I, I do think Renfro will be more involved this coming week against Philadelphia. Two teams that are complete enigmas as to what's going on with their with their game plans. I'm going to take the Raiders. I don't have a great reason for it, though. Uh, I'm going to take Philly just because I think the Raiders defense is still struggling and they'll have more issues um, against a, a rushing quarterback. So, uh, again, this is uh, two teams that are really been up and down all season. And normally I'd lean the home team Raiders, but uh, I guess I'm really trying to get a leg up on you. We are dead tied, <laughs> dead even in our picks so far through six weeks. So this is I our see. third game where we're going to disagree this week. And I, Oh, I you're, take- you're really trying to make something happen here. Uh, we'll see. I uh, hope, uh, I guess, fly Eagles fly, right? Fly. There you go. Well, if you really want to make something happen, then you should pick the opposite side of the ball in this next game. Detroit at the L.A. Rams. Certainly not an exciting <laughs> offense and a very tough matchup for the Lions. Swift and Hawkinson are starts here. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is possible in a full PPR in the flex. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, J- Jamal Williams has been hobbled, so can't touch him right now. Yeah, Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I think they're both you know, in that wide receiver four range where they'll get some PPR volume, assuming Detroit is in a big hole in the second half. I think both could be viable, but... Uh, you know, certainly not a huge amount of upside against this Rams defense. Plenty of garbage times for the Rams this past week, and we could see a lot of it here again. Uh, it's, of course, very hard to project stats from blowout games, but Stafford and Henderson and Cup are locked into lineups, of course. Woods has very solid upside, and Higby could score versus Detroit. I, I think I think they're both starts here. Sony Michelle could be a desperation running back four in garbage time in the football game, as he was this past week. Certainly didn't hit an upside mark, but you could see that here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take the Rams, and Mung is going to try and put distance between us, right? Yeah, not uh, not on my life, not on this game. <laughs> okay, uh, then the next uh, game. Normally, normally, you know, we would talk about revenge game narratives, right? L.A. trading away Jared oh, Goff. Yeah, double but, revenge, uh, yeah. But uh, not, not this week, not Jared Goff. <laughs> uh, give me the Rams. The double revenge. I mean, Matt Stafford may be your quarterback one this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Stafford is a locked in top 10, uh, maybe close to top five. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so so we won even that game. This game, you got to pick the opposite side. Houston and Arizona. <laughs> rough showing for the Houston or maybe the next one. Rough showing for Houston versus Indy. Uh, certainly not expecting anything here. Start Brandon Cooks and abandon hope for everything else. Yeah, just another rough call by me this past week. I thought maybe there was some viability for Davis Mills, uh, who was starting to play pretty well um, against the Colts defense that had really been struggling. But uh, yeah, just just awful. Brandon Cooks, uh, maybe, hopefully he'll get traded for something for the deadline. Um, yeah. Go to a, a team that could use him. But uh, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's really Cooks, and, and that's just about it. 
You know what would be an interesting case study to find out with these quarterbacks that get off to sort of hottish starts, you know, your 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 Mills, your Heineke. Well, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, including him in this, but your Heineke's, your Mullins, your guys that come in out of nowhere and actually do really well for like a half a season and then fall off and you never hear from them again. Be interesting to figure out, is it that the defenses that are figuring them out or does their does their mojo just wear away? I don't know. I think it's partially that. Uh, also, you know, when they do come in mid-game due to an injury or a blowout or something, usually the defense is, is in more of a prevent mode, right? They just don't want to give up the the win. Um, so maybe they, they play pretty soft. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. But uh, at the same yeah. time, sometimes these quarterbacks do pan out where Herbert came in for Terod Taylor last year. Um, and he's he hasn't really looked back. Had a rough game against Baltimore. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't have the answer. As for Arizona, we should see some early scoring this week, uh, as as well as a ton of garbage time to come. Um, Connor and Edmonds are both flex plays here. I certainly prefer James Connor. I think Edmonds' work was limited a bit with his shoulder and the team's early lead, so should see a few more touches this week. Hopkins is, of course, in your lineup. I think Green and Kirk are both flex options as well. You went ahead and took that bet over me this week where we went uh, Green over against Kirk. Both had five targets. Christian Kirk at a very nice 75 yards. A.J. Green topped him by four with 79 yards. At the end of the day, I think it's a win for everybody. If you played either of them, you were happy. But, yes, you do take the week by by 0.4 points. Uh, you can certainly play Rondell Moore if you'd like. Um, he's he's not a guy that I'm considering, though. Yeah, really, you want Kirk and Green just because of how efficient uh, this Arizona offense has been overall. So you want shares of that offense in general, right? And yep. I think that both are going to be good. But um, while we are tied with the pickums, I am happy that I have a commanding lead in our bets so far <laughs> this year. <laughs> One to nothing. Absolutely <laughs> zero wins so far in the in the bets. You want to double down on Kirk versus Green this week? Um, no, let's find a, a more fun one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, didn't think so. <laughs> didn't think so. You know, you know where it's at. All right. I'm going to take Arizona here. Shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. I think the Rams, the Cardinals in this next game that we're going to talk about are going to be the locks of the week. Yes, sir. All right. Chicago at Tampa Bay. Um, Khalil Herbert had all the running back touches, so he returned very solid value against Green Bay. Tampa, as we know, is much tougher against running backs. And Williams will likely be back as the starter unless he has some sort of, you know, uh, prolonged things with COVID. I don't know. Um, Just tread with caution with this running back group against Tampa. Both Robinson and Mooney actually might end up upside plays here because of Tampa Bay's offense as well as their struggles in the secondary. But Tampa's starting to get healthy itself. Uh, Still no answers at tight end for Chicago, of course. Yeah, and just Fields looks rough out there. Uh, you know, plenty of times where he needs to just throw it away and he's trying to make something happen. Quite frankly, yeah. it just looks like a rookie, and I think he'll be fine in the long term. But short term, uh, the rushing upside that we were promised certainly was not there and certainly not against this Buccaneers front seven this week, right? Um, maybe another week you hope for some rushing yards, but uh, really it's going to come down to a, a desperation start. If you're hoping for something from Mooney and Robinson. And right now I think it, I lean Mooney still just because of the target share. Um, clearly he seems to have a little bit more rapport. We saw Allen Robinson wide open down the seam for uh, what could have been a long touchdown and, and fields just never even saw him. So 
hard to trust any part of the the Bears offense, especially um, as you said, if Damian Williams is back, because then I think it goes back to a 50-50 split uh, between Williams and Herbert, who did look very good against Green Bay. Yeah, it looks like it, Justin Fields is like. I don't know if it's his rushing angles or what he's getting caught by like every defensive end right now. Like, I, I don't know. It, I think it's, it's just the, the, the rookie phenomenon, right? Where you're used to being the strongest and the fastest in college. And now you've got defensive ends who can run, you know, sub five second forties. So yeah. um, just getting used to that, uh, knowing that you're not, you know, the clearly the best athlete on the field anymore. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to be done thinking about that for now. Uh, last year, we saw Chicago shut down Tampa Bay and secure the win. I, I obviously don't see that happening here. TB12 is going to be very vindictive here. Start all the, the wide receivers, the regulars, you know, Brown Evans and um, and of course, Chris Godwin. Fournette has the running back job for now. He's looking impressive. He's a running back, too. I would not touch the other two backs. And if Gronkowski's healthy, start him, of course. But I could see them getting getting away with using him very minimally, even if he is active. They shouldn't really need him against Chicago. So I'd probably get the give the ribs another another week to rest. Why put him in? Why put him at risk? Yep. And as you know, Los, in our league, I've been struggling with sitting uh, and starting (laughs) Marvin Jones versus Mike Evans every week. And I've gotten that decision incorrect every single week thus far. Um, But, uh, you know, (laughs) I still got to start Mike Evans, right? We knew that he could be inconsistent uh, based on his usage from last year. But the, the massive upside is always there. And uh, just just a, a not really analytical note, but Tom Brady has been very, very active on social media since leaving New England. So if you think he hasn't seen the the gif where uh, he's been raising the four fingers where he thought it was third down in that loss to the Bears last year, um, he knows he's constantly reminded. And I think he I'm going to call it right now. I think that he's going to tweet that gif after throwing four touchdowns against the Bears this week. That's fine. Just don't just just don't trash talk fans in the stadium. I that's that's classless. But I'm not going to get into what sort of player does well, that sort of thing. There's a reason that Brady is the goat, and certain other quarterbacks are not. That's that's right. But I don't want to even mention the name. Sunday night football. Indy. Are, are you Tampa. taking? Who are you taking here? Close? Oh, uh, you're going to take Chicago. <laughs> I'm going to take Tampa. Oh right, right. This is Bizarro week. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Bucks for both of us, of course. Yes. Us. Uh, Sunday night football. Indianapolis at the uh, 49ers. Great day. Great day for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you love to see that. Keep him locked into your lineup. Um, this was not a Heinz week, uh, given their lead in the garbage time. Um, and I was expecting to see a little more Mac, which we did not. Uh, we saw a little bit of him. I think Taylor gets a few fewer touches here, and Heinz seems a few more versus San Fran, but certainly not enough to necessarily start Hines here. Um, he still can't be dropped, though, I don't think. Uh, if Hilton plays, it's hard to start any of the pass catchers, in my opinion. Um, but if not, uh, Wentz has shown continued reliance on Michael Pittman. Yeah, it's crazy. Just, um, I mean, it, it, they, what? I think Taylor touched the ball like three times in the first half against Houston, something like that. <laughs> Um, and I don't understand, you know, I, I, I've never been of the mindset that Taylor is a generational talent, like some have said, but certainly Mm -hmm. he's a very, very good running back and much better than Hines or Mack and should be touching the ball a a ton each and every game. So, um, 
on the wide receiver front, we'll see about T.Y. Hilton. It sounds like he has a quad injury, uh, potentially similar to what Tyreek Hill suffered last week. Um, of course, the difference is that T.Y. Hilton is about three years older and has been uh, it has been historically the last few years a much slower healer. So we'll see if he's able to play this week. Uh, it's going to be a big game for them against the Niners coming off the bye. As you said, uh, Hilton will vulture some targets from Pittman if he's active. I, I think it does lower both of their floors and ceilings. Um, certainly like Pittman more if Hilton is out, but I think it helps both that Paris Campbell's out. Um, sad for him. This is what, I think the third straight year that he's suffered yeah. a, a potentially season ending injury. So, um, you know, I drafted him our, in our dynasty league together and yep. uh, I had a high hopes, just the talents there just can't seem to stay healthy. So all the best to him, but um, potentially more fantasy relevance for both. Yep. And on the Niner side, it, it's tough to know what to expect from the team, uh, given everything we've seen so far with their injuries and uh, having the full two, uh, the bye and the extra week to prepare for this game. Uh, for me, Samuel Kittle and Mitchell are all definite plays. Um, given the number of buys, I, I think Trey Lance is actually very solidly in the top 10 of quarterbacks this week. I'm sure that's music to your ears. I mean, if he gets the start, it sounds like Kyle Shanahan wants Jimmy G. So uh, oh, certainly <laughs> we'll see about that. Well, I, that I think, would change things. Yeah, I mean, I can't bring myself to start Garoppolo. Even if on paper it's a decent matchup. Uh, this no, he those, would not be a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those weird, um, weird plays. I think Kittle's still on IR. So really it's Mitchell and Samuel right now. You know, yeah. I, I don't know that you can trust those guys. No, or excuse right me, now. the other guys in right. terms of Ayuk and um, certainly not Trey Sermon, who saw what was it, two snaps after Mitchell came back a couple weeks I ago. I think he's dead in the water. You know, Shanahan does this with his running backs. Think of, uh, I think it was Joe Williams, right? He was the next big thing. Yeah, I look, uh, Sermon's droppable right now, depending on what you need during these bye weeks. Uh, the upside yeah. is there, but clearly they prefer Mitchell. And then we have Jeff Wilson Jr. coming back fairly soon. Um, just Shanahan Hannigan's all day yep. long, all season long. I'm going to take the Niners. You know, they, they had the bye week to prepare. They're in prime time at home. It just feels right. Yeah, this is uh, another ugly one where it, it could go either way with one blown coverage uh, on either side. So I'll lean the home team Niners, but certainly not uh, putting this in for any survivor picks or anything like that. All right. And Monday night football, New Orleans at Seattle. Seattle's defense is not a scary matchup and the Saints have had two weeks to prepare. Uh, but to me, all the production other than Elvin Kamara seems very, very fluky. I'm not playing the Callaway or any of the tight ends. Mung, do you feel otherwise at all? I think if there's one guy you're, that you're playing, it probably is Callaway, just because sure. we've seen that he's... Uh, gotten some of those end zone targets but uh, as you said the, the floor is very low for everyone in a game where I do think it's going to be a ton of Alvin Kamara uh, we know that the Saints have just been so run heavy because clearly they do not trust Jameis Winston and for good reason um, worth noting too that Michael Thomas could be back in a few weeks so we'll talk about him on the waiver wire section even though he is still rostered in the majority of leagues.
Sure. And for the Saints, I can't, or I'm sorry, for Seattle, I can't help but think that this team is a uh, team full of flexes for right now. Geno Smith has made the team take a step back, of course. Uh, Lockett and Collins, if he's ready to go, are flex plays. Uh, DK Metcalf is certainly not sitting for you, but his upside is is significantly capped. I can't see him cracking wide receiver one. Certainly well, not I beg to differ. I actually, I prefer really? Lockett this week. I think Marshawn okay. Lattimore will shadow DK Metcalf. Um, they did not shadow the Rams did not shadow Metcalf earlier this year, but they did put Ramsey on him last year and Metcalf really just didn't do anything. I think Lattimore is in that same category as Ramsey. So I think hmm. if you are going to start one lock, it is a, I don't know, back end wide receiver three or flex. Certainly don't trust him either. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, uh, so you have him above him as a back end wide receiver three. Ouch. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry, Deke. So yeah. what's he a five? <laughs> I think he's a wide receiver four this week Jeez. and maybe, you know, call me crazy. Right. I, but I I've benched Metcalf in the past due to matchups because I do think he is more uh, dependent on those 50, 50 balls sometimes. And Geno Smith, uh, I don't trust with those certainly. Uh, yeah. Alex Collins is banged up too. worth noting. Rashad Penny's coming back. So just a, yeah. a mess in general for the Seahawks right now. I think the most trustworthy guy is maybe Alex Collins, and that's not saying yeah, a whole lot. Certainly is not. Uh, I think for all those reasons uh, that I'm going to take the, the Saints here, um, despite their quarterback play. Yeah, I'm going to take the Saints, but again, this I could see two pick sixes from Jameis Winston swinging this game. So again, certainly. not something you're going to put in your survivor pool picks. Uh, but yeah, I will lean the Saints at home. Yep. Uh, that leads us into our teams on a bye. A lot of big, big time players. You got to make sure you get out of your lineup. Buffalo, who plays tonight, will be uh, sitting this week. Josh Allen, uh, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Dawson Knox. Um, and one tight end, are you hanging on to Knox this week? If you need, if yes, he's yeah. been one of the few reliable tight ends this year outside yeah. of the, you know, the elite tier. And totally. maybe he, he could even be in that elite tier, depending on how Buffalo uses him in the next few games coming out of the bye. Totally agree. Dallas is on a bye. Dak, Zeke, Tony Pollard, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. And uh, same question, Dalton Schultz. Uh, do you drop him this week in one tight end? No, uh, there's not many reliable options out there, and he continues to see a steady target share. Maybe Gallup eats into that if he comes back in a couple weeks after the bye, but uh, certainly uh, you can't afford to be just dropping productive tight ends given how this season is playing out so far. Totally agree on Schultz. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Tyler Conklin. Tyler Conklin, do you drop him this week? Drop it like it's hot. Yeah, there you go. Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, and Eric Ebron. The last, the last two you're probably not hanging on to, I don't think. Uh, the Chargers. I, you know, I, I will say, I think Fryermuth's interesting, right? I like it. Um, I li- seven I like targets and seven catches uh, this past game against Seattle with Juju out. Um, there's a chance that he just right, you know, steps into that Heath Miller 2.0 role. Uh, with Juju out. Um, so I, I think if you're desperate and you have the bench space and you have a winning record, he could be a preemptive stash to pick up this week, e- even with uh, the Steelers on by. Um, and if not, you know, keep him on your watch list because again, there's just so few productive tight ends that 
I do think that Fryermuth's target share could continue uh, rising over the next few weeks. I see his situation the exact way that I see Dalton Schultz's situation. There's a, there are two tight ends that play, but one is is getting more favor on the team than the other, and both are having problems at their wide receiver three spot. So the tight ends are going to emerge a little bit, and I, and I agree. I, th- I, I have a little trepidation with him being a rookie. We know the history of rookie uh, tight ends, but um, he's looked good so far. Mm-hmm. Yep. The L.A. Chargers, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and then, of course, Jared Cook and Donald Parham. And in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and Dan Arnold. So a lot of back-end tight end ones on buys this week. Didn't uh, really take that into consideration to looking at that right there. Yeah, and, you know, Cook and Dan Arnold, uh, they're not must-holds. But, again, you know your leagues better than we do. How many tight ends are rostered? How many are kept? You know, the situation with that. So, Again, that that those are more situationally dependent. Yeah. Yep. Hence, not asking about them. I guess I should have been uh, consistent. But well, whatever. we just, you know, we went through it, so I figured I'd put in my two cents here. I like it. That was more like four cents, and I loved every penny. Yeah. Um, a, a, a few more cents here. Uh, COVID news, Damian Williams. Uh, it sounds like he is currently still on the COVID IR but uh, potentially back this coming week. So monitor that situation. Could be back to a 50-50 split with Khalil Herbert. And then real quick, Los, do you think there's some concern that, you know, Williams and Herbert have played quite well and maybe we see more of them even once Montgomery is back? Is Montgomery a potential sell for you? Uh, You know, depending on what you can get, obviously. Uh, I think I'm too emotionally tied to him to say yes okay fair enough yeah. um yeah. more COVID news here Samaje P Ryan uh, could return this week but again with Joe Mixon healthy and really dominating P Ryan and Evans are mostly just handcuffs at this point and then finally Dallas Goddard was on the COVID IR but with 10 days uh, barring any continued symptoms he should be back this week and of course with Zachary's traded Goddard uh, should be a very startable tight end one rest of season And that'll take us into the injury news. Uh, At quarterback, we had Dak Prescott late in the game uh, come with that calf strain. Dallas is on a bye this week, but the calf injury sounds minor. Prescott is expected to play week eight at Minnesota, but keep an eye on his status next week. Jimmy Garoppolo probable with a calf strain. Garoppolo should be ready this week. And if we believe Shanahan, he is expected to start versus Indy for this next game. Trey Lance questionable with the knee sprain. He may or may not be ready to play this week, but Jimmy G is likely the starter. So Lance doesn't need to be held in shallower one quarterback formats as of this moment. Tyra Taylor, uh, Tyrod Taylor, hamstring strain on the IR. He's eligible to return from IR, but he's probably not worth adding outside of Superflex or two quarterback formats. And then, of course, Russell Wilson on IR with the finger, fa- finger fracture, extensor ligament tear. He's eligible to return in week 10. In one quarterback formats, he's not necessarily a must-hold depending on bench space and available waiver wire options at the quarterback position. But if you have the IR, I'd probably hang on to him. Yep, and at running backs, uh, you know, the the main reason that none of these quarterbacks are potentially must-holds um, is because we have so many running back injuries, right? Yeah. Starting with Nick Chubb with the calf injury, he's questionable this week. Just wasn't able to practice at all last week, though the silver lining is that the Browns chose not to put him on IR. Uh, but as we saw with Christian McCaffrey last week, not necessarily a sign that he'll be back sooner. 
Uh, so monitor the practice reports. Uh, Cleveland, of course, playing on Thursday night. So fantasy GM should make other plans uh, if Chubb is going to sit here. Kareem Hunt with a, a calf injury as well. Just really bad luck for the Browns, apparently. Out for four to six weeks. Uh, you know, another another tough injury was carted off the field against Arizona. Uh, but it is confirmed that it's not an Achilles tear, just a normal calf strain uh, of the more severe sort. So likely to go on IR, but should be back this season. So certainly not dropping him if you can. Alex Collins with a glute slash hip injury and also had some cramps. Doesn't sound too serious, but he is questionable. So, uh, you know, monitor his practice status this week. Um, Again, Rashad Penny could be back as well. So it could be a messy situation in Seattle. Antonio Gibson with a stress fracture in the shin. He's questionable was in and out of the game against Kansas City, uh, playing through this injury now for a few weeks. Uh, Had an MRI earlier today. We do not have the results of that just yet. So he could continue playing through it, but it's possible, too, that Washington could shut him down for a couple weeks to get him to 100%. Definitely a situation to check on over the next day or two. Latavius Murray with a mild high ankle sprain. He is doubtful, uh, likely to miss probably at least a couple weeks, but He should be held given the dire state of running backs right now. Um, Not a must hold, but again, Baltimore uh, with that running back by committee, he's probably the 1A out of the 1B and the 1C if he is healthy, but that's also a big if right now. Saquon Barkley with that ankle sprain, uh, he is doubtful still. Uh, It sounds like he needed at least two weeks uh, near superhuman, so could (laughs) return this week, but the Giants would be wise to give their franchise running back another week to get to 100% before throwing them back in the mix. David Montgomery with a knee injury, he's on IR. He is eligible to return in week eight. So until then, uh, Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams, if he is over COVID, will continue to split work in this backfield. Christian McCaffrey with a hamstring strain. Uh, Sadly, uh, he was trending up until he wasn't. And then all of a sudden he's on IR and eligible to return in week nine. So until then, it's going to be the Chuba Hubbard show in Carolina. Clyde Edwards-Alaire with an MCL sprain. He's still out for another couple weeks at least, uh, eligible to return in week nine. Until then, Daryl Williams figures to see uh, the lead role for Kansas City. And then finally, Chris Carson with that neck condition. He is on IR and eligible to return in week 10, but there is some risk of him being done for the season, according to some analysis out there, uh, with this being a lingering concern in the neck. So scary for him. Hopefully he's all right. And then in shallower redraft formats, Carson may not be a must hold depending on how many bench spots there are, uh, particularly if you're in eight or 10 team leagues. Uh, it's it's rough out there. So if you need the bench spots, we, we understand. And Carson is not a must hold at this point. Plenty of relevant injuries at the wide receiver position, kicking off with Kadarius Toney this week with the ankle injury questionable. He left the game versus the LA Rams early. We don't have any details yet, but this doesn't sound necessarily too serious right now. But keep an eye on for updates over the next day or two. Uh, Shouldn't keep him out more than a week or two, if that. T.Y. Hilton with the quad injury is questionable. He continues to get hit by nagging injuries at age 31. He looked good versus Houston when healthy, though. And as of now, uh, it doesn't sound like he'll miss more than a week or two at most. Paris Campbell, doubtful with the foot injury. Bad luck for Campbell, who's uh, suffered a litany of injuries in his young career, including a foot injury that ended his season last year. The early reports he's going to miss major time for the third straight year. Sadly, Campbell can be dropped in all redraft formats. 
Tyreek Hill, quad contusion. He's probable. Hill was in and out of the game versus Washington, but did not look 100%. He probably won't practice for most of the week again like last, but expect him to play versus Tennessee, barring a setback. Still, it's worth keeping an eye on this. Uh, Hopefully, Hill will again at least get a limited practice in by Friday. Darius Slayton with the hamstring strain is questionable. He's likely back this week, but with Shepard and Tony playing well and Galladay returning soon, Slayton doesn't project for a big role rest of season. He doesn't need to be rostered in standard 10 or 12 team leagues. Devontae Parker, questionable with the hamstring strain. He continues to work back from the hamstring injury. Keep an eye on his practice participation this week. Kenny Galladay. Knee hyperextension is questionable right now. He was rolled out early last week, so this could be a multi-week absence. Keep an eye on his practice participation in the coming days. Curtis Samuel, questionable with a groin injury. He aggravated his preseason groin injury and is likely to miss a couple more weeks before he can get to 100%. Jarvis Landry on the IR with the MCL sprain. He's eligible to return now, and it sounds like they are optimistic in Cleveland that he's going to be back this week. There's some upside if they have to pass more with both Chubb and Hunt injured, but Mayfield has not looked particularly good with his shoulder injury. Michael Gallup on IR with the calf injury. He's eligible to return, so we'll see whether he can get some practices in this week. Keep an eye on his participation, but Prescott has been spreading the ball around, so none of the Dallas wide receivers have very safe floors as of right now. Jerry Judy on the IR with the high ankle sprain. He's eligible to return as well, so it it depends on how his ankle feels. Keep an eye on his status. Will Fuller is on IR with the broken finger. He's eligible to return week eight. Until then, (laughs) ache. He's got an achy finger, eligible to return week eight. Until then, uh, Waddle and Parker will hold down the fort in Miami. And finally, Michael Thomas uh, with the ankle surgery. He's on the pup. He's eligible to be activated off the pup this week following surgery, but it remains to be seen how far along he is in his his recovery and whether New Orleans is going to rush him back. Uh, Still, he's a worthwhile stash for teams who are like 5-1, 4-2, and can afford to burn an IR or a bench spot to chase Thomas's upside for a playoff run. And at tight end, we have, of course, Rob Gronkowski with the rib fractures. He is questionable. Uh, Depending on how quickly he's healed, he could return this week. Of course, he's had 10 days since Tampa Bay's last game against the Eagles on Thursday night. So monitor his practice participation this week. Logan Thomas uh, with a hamstring strain. He's on IR. Uh, He is eligible to return in week eight. And until then, Ricky Seals-Jones will continue to be a startable tight end as the backup. George Kittle with the calf strain, he's on IR and is eligible to return in week nine. And until then, Ross Dwelly will serve as the number one in San Francisco, but it still remains to be seen whether Dwelly will be fantasy relevant uh, in that number one tight end role. Waiver wire ads at quarterback include Tua Tungavailoa. In his first game back from the rib injury, he torched the Jacksonville secondary, 300-plus yards and two touchdowns. He'll get arrested Atlanta defense coming off their bye, but they've also allowed the fifth-most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. He's, a fair fl- he's got a fair floor and ceiling, especially if Devontae Parker's back this week. Matt Ryan, on the other side of the same game, the Dolphins have not been a great defense either. They've allowed 300-plus passing yards in three of their four play, uh, last games. Top cornerback Xavier Howard missed the London game due to a groin injury. If Howard is out again this week, Ryan could have a great fantasy outing here. Sam Darnold, has, uh, he's struggled over the last two weeks after a hot start to the season, 
But this could be a get-right game versus the Giants defense that's allowed 20-plus fantasy points to the opposing quarterbacks in five out of six weeks this season. Darnold is a risky quarterback, too, given his re- recent shaky play, but he has a high ceiling in this matchup. And finally, Carson Wentz. Outside of the rough loss versus Tennessee, Wentz has eclipsed 17 fantasy points in five, five of six games this year. He doesn't carry a huge fantasy ceiling, but he has a pretty high floor and can be a serviceable streamer with six quarterbacks on by this week. And at the running back position, we've got Elijah Mitchell, where, you know, sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind with the San Francisco team having been on bye this past week. But reminder that in his first game back from injury, Mitchell played 44 snaps compared to just two for Trey Sermon. So Mitchell is rostered in a lot of leagues, but was dropped in some after disappointing and getting hurt. And then with the Niners on bye, so worth a pickup uh, if you need running back help or just as an upside stash here. Alex Collins and Rashad Petty. Collins ceded some work to DJ Dallas and Travis Homer in the passing game, but he does figure to remain the lead back as long as he's healthy. If not, Penny could see a large role uh, with him being expected back this week. But with Chris Carson out for at least uh, another few games through week 10, maybe even rest of season, Collins should be a priority add and Penny should be stashed as well if possible. Daryl Williams. He is rostered in most leagues, but again, was the clear lead back with CEH sideline. Should be an RB2 with upside until Edwards Alaire returns, especially if the Chiefs run more again this week with Tyreek Hill's quad not 100%. Devontae Booker, like Mitchell and Williams, Booker's mostly rostered, but still out there in quite a few leagues. He was the workhorse after Barkley left the game against Dallas and was again this past week against the Rams, even with Elijah Penny vulturing a goal line touchdown. So Booker is still the much better bet while Barkley is out for another week or two. J.D. McKissick and Jared Patterson. With the potential for Gibson to miss time, maybe even go on IR with a stress fracture in his shin, both McKissick and Patterson are priority adds. Both of these running backs could see expanded roles if Gibson were to miss time. And again, we don't know yet on Gibson, but this is potentially why you could get McKissick and Patterson for uh, cheap fab dollars before we hear any news. Michael Carter, uh, the rookie's role has continued to grow each week prior to the Jets' bye this past week, and he could have had two touchdowns uh, against the Falcons were it not for a Ty Johnson vulture. The Jets could expand his role even more coming out of the bye, so Carter is a good preemptive rest-of-season ad if you have the bench space and the need for running back help. Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell, with Latavius Murray potentially missing a little bit of time, both of these Ravens running backs have touchdown upside, even in a messy committee backfield. Neither of these guys are safe plays, but we know that the Ravens have a good rushing offense, so there is weekly upside for the time being. Kenyon Drake, we talked about him. With John Gruden gone, the Raiders finally used Drake more. Only touched the ball six times against the Broncos, but again, there is upside here rest of season if he continues getting more involved as a receiver, especially in games where they don't lead from start to finish. Khalil Herbert, Damian Williams could return this week, but Herbert has played well enough to continue seeing snaps in the Chicago backfield in a 50-50 split until Montgomery returns. However, with Tampa Bay, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh coming up, There's just not a whole lot of upside for either Bears running back. Don't go chasing points after Herbert's big week against the Packers. Uh, Don't bid too crazy for him. And finally, we talked about them a little bit with Dernis Johnson and Demetric Felton here. Uh, If Chubb were to miss this week uh, with the Browns playing on Thursday, 
and Hunt already marked out for four to six weeks. Uh, Johnson and Felton both could be viable flex options here for teams that are just desperate for running back help. Johnson would likely see more early down work and a little bit in the past game as well with Felton mixing in more on the passing downs. Plenty of potential ads here at wide receiver as well. Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Uh, we'll see how the targets shake out tonight versus Tennessee. But it's smart to invest in great offenses like Buffalo, even if the target shares vary from week to week. Both are viable flex options. Rondale Moore, A.J. Green, and Christian Kirk. The same goes for these Arizona wide receivers as the Buffalo wide receivers. It continues to be a headache discerning which one's going to have a big game from week to week. But all have high weekly ceilings in one of the most efficient offenses in the league right now, even with the addition of Zach Ertz. Sterling Shepard. Shepard led the team with 14 targets in the loss to the Rams after Tony left the game early with an ankle injury. Shepard's targets should fall if Tony's back this week. And Galladay is returning soon as well. But Shepard has high upside once again if one or both miss this week's game versus Carolina. Donnell Mooney. Fields has looked rough has looked rough, uh, but Mooney continues to be the rookie's favorite target and could see double-digit targets in a game where Chicago will likely need to throw a lot this week versus Tampa. Rashad Bateman, he played 70% of the snaps in his NFL debut and tied Mark Andrews for the team lead in targets with six apiece. He could become an integral piece of the Baltimore offense sooner rather than later and will get an iffy Cincinnati secondary that's allowed the 12th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers thus far. Hunter Renfro, Renfro saw just five targets in a game where the Raiders surprisingly led from start to finish, but he remains a decent PPR flex option as one of Carr's favorite targets. T.Y. Hilton. Hilton was heavily involved versus Houston, and with Paris Campbell likely out for a bit, he could step into the 1A or 1B role alongside Pittman for Indianapolis. Devontae Parker. With Fuller out for a while, Parker could be a viable flex option versus a poor Atlanta secondary this week, especially with how good Tua looked in his first game back from the rib injury versus Jacksonville. Tim Patrick. Patrick continues playing well and should see a fairly high target share until Judy returns, which could be this week or could not. Marquez Callaway. New Orleans has been running the ball a ton, and Callaway's two big weeks have largely been touchdown dependent. Still, he has upside this week versus a struggling Seattle secondary that's allowing the sixth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond. With Quintus Cephas out the rest of the year, St. Brown and Raymond each saw seven targets behind Hawkinson's 11 versus Cincinnati. With Detroit's awful defense forcing them into pass-heavy game scripts, both Detroit wide receivers are in the wide receiver four mix with some PPR usability. Jamal Agnew. Agnew was third in targets behind only Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chanel versus Miami. Jacksonville's targets are very tough to predict week to week. But Agnew's new role as the slot receiver with Chark out for the year should give him a decent PPR floor, though the ceiling is not particularly high. Jerry Judy, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, these are all wide receivers due to come back from the IR or pup soon. So depending on your record through six weeks and whether you need wide receiver help, they are options that potentially are available in your leagues for stash. And at the tight end position, we've got Dallas Goddard, who is mostly rostered. But again, with Ertz traded to Arizona, he should now be 100% rostered. And with Hertz targeting his tight ends pretty often this season, Goddard could be a clear top 10 fantasy tight end rest of season. Zach Ertz on the other side here. Ertz is rostered again in quite a few leagues, but Arizona uh, does have a very efficient offense, even with good target competition from the wide receivers. They traded for Ertz for a reason. With opposing defenses focused on the wide receivers and Kyler Murray's rushing lanes, there could be opportunity for Ertz 
particularly in the red zone. Ricky Seals-Jones. We recommended Seals-Jones last week against Kansas City, and he had an excellent showing despite Washington struggling as a whole. He should continue seeing plenty of targets for as long as Logan Thomas is out. Pat Fryermuth, who we talked about a little bit, with Juju out, he saw seven targets and caught them all for 58 yards. Fryermuth could become an integral piece for Roethlisberger over the middle of the field as a frequent checkdown target like Keith Miller was in years past, especially considering Big Ben's declining arm strength. However, this is more of a rest-of-season ad with Pittsburgh on bye this week. Hunter Henry, who we talked about as well, the Patriots continue to run a ton, especially near the goal line, and Mac Jones has been spreading the ball around when they do pass. Still, Henry seems to be a preferred red zone target, with a touchdown now in each of the last three games, as Lowe said, uh, on fire a little bit here. So you could do worse with Knox, Schultz, and four other tight ends on bye this week. And finally, as we said, tight end is a desert right now. If you're desperate, CJ Uzoma is not seeing consistent target share, but he is getting some red zone looks like Hunter Henry has been, and Baltimore has already given up four touchdowns to tight ends through six weeks. There's a couple of pretty good options at defense also for streaming uh, defense special teams. Arizona, the Cardinals rolled to a 6-0 start and sacked uh, Baker Mayfield five times, even with Chandler Jones on the COVID list. They should have a field day versus Houston this week. Carolina, Sam Darnold has been struggling, but Carolina's defense continues to keep them in games. They've logged seven or more fantasy points in every game except the loss to Dallas this year. New England, the Jets should be more prepared for Belichick this week than they were during the blowout loss in Week 2, but even so, New England should be able to get after Zach Wilson at home in Gillette. And Green Bay, even with a bevy of injuries to their secondary, Green Bay's front seven have been getting it done with 14 sacks over the last five games. And Taylor Heineke struggled against even Kansas City's pushover defense this past week. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, A lot of potential waiver wire help this week. Uh, If you do have a lot of players on by, as I'm sure many teams out there do. Uh, And again, with sit start questions, waiver wire questions, trade questions, whatever it might be, uh, we're happy to answer them on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore LOS. That's L-O-S. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store. It's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional-grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Shop Northern Tool and Equipment this week for our Father's Day sale. Get the perfect gift and save up to 50% on hand, power and air tools, floor jacks, shop equipment, and more. Shop in-store or at northerntool.com.